That's right, people. We're back four weeks in a row. Steve and I are on a roll. We're going to keep providing you information about Steel Challenge. Steve, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, Jeff. How are you doing? Oh, man, I, I it's been a great weekend for me. Got a lot of shooting. We had our our Saturday night four stager at the WAC. Uh, I was fortunate enough to come away uh, top shooter in that and rimfire pistol. Um, and I was shooting my backup gun. Uh, my, uh, my main gun was giving me some problems during the week. And, uh, I called the manufacturer and I'm not afraid to say it was Volkorten. And I talked to a gentleman there and told him, I think it was the hammer spring. And they sent me a brand new one with a return for the old one. And I put it in today and ran that gun and it ran 100%. Everything went bang. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. It's uh, it's refreshing, as you well know, when you've got, uh, uh, you know, you spend the money on these guns that you've got the manufacturers that back them up. So, uh, yeah, thank you to Bo Quartzen sure. and and everyone there who uh, ensured I was going to have a 100 percent functioning gun again. So uh, that was good. How about you? Did you get to do any shooting this weekend? You know, it's a funny story. So I've been shooting quite a bit for the last uh, couple of weeks doing some uh you know, trying to get back at it and uh, throw up some uh, sub 60 uh, times here, hopefully pretty soon. And uh, so took a little bit of break from that today. Richard Peterson came over, Caleb's dad, and uh, got out the couple of precision guns. I got a Voodoo, a V22, and then um, a little quartzit Summit. And uh, both topped off with some uh, Strike Eagles on there. Beautiful, beautiful glass. And, um, shot the voodoo first man i it's it's weird because you know after doing some uh action speed shooting and all that kind of stuff well you don't pull the trigger quite as fast with like a voodoo and uh <clears throat> so we had targets out at 50 yards and wanted to put some on paper and uh shot about 30 rounds and then you could see the group starting to dial in shooting ely match which is not inexpensive but man is it money well well spent so uh Richard was shooting and uh he put he like keyhole three shots at uh 50 yards. I'm sorry, there was five shots, and uh, you know, we're shooting 10 shots at the time because it's how much a magazine holds, and sure we walked down there. I'm like, holy cow, you know, you stick a uh a spent <laughs> casing right in between the three shots. So I, I don't know, I don't know what the head of a 22 is but that's just about the the grouping size wow. and so uh so we get back there and he kind of looked at i said you gotta shoot the next five he kind of looked at me he's like why don't you shoot him i'm like all right challenge accepted and so i shot five more rounds and uh pretty much put them all through the same hole there's one that looked like elongated one of the holes just a little bit so two shooters 10 rounds and i'll post a picture out there at 50 yards Man, it's uh, whoo! I don't Good know. I, yeah, I've never been that excited about shooting any sort of precision. <laughs> Haven't spent a lot of time doing it, but you know, I called my wife and two girls and out of the house. To, no, no, no! You got to see this, you guys. This is awesome, you know. And of course, they don't know what they're looking at outside of boy. That target's pretty far away. That's a little hole you got there. No, no, yeah, it's ten like, rounds. They're like you're looking wow. at you, and they're going. They're looking at going. Okay, you hit it once. Big deal. Uh, exactly exactly no no no. we shot 10 you want to do it thank god they said no because that really matches uh it's worth the money but it's uh it's about 30 cents around somewhere in there so now anyway. is, but is that cool. a subsonic round 
Uh, I'd have to double check. I believe that it is. It may be going. I was just going to make up a number. Yeah, I don't have. Let me see if I've got it here. And the reason I ask is because uh, there's a couple of precision shooters that I know uh, that are shooting precision 22 and uh, they all shoot subsonic for the accuracy of the bullet not breaking the sound barrier. Um, yeah, it's a flat nose. It's a, four, it's a 40 grain. I'd have to get the, the, the data. I believe it is a subsonic round. Yeah, I would you know, bet I it talk, is. I was talking to the Ely guys and they've said that they've tested some uh, force, uh, which is high velocity. Yeah. And I don't know if it's something's changed with the, the difference in the ammo or whatever. And they said, no, there's plenty of guys that get good groups out of, uh, you know, shooting force and stuff like that. But one of the things I did notice, because I didn't have any precision style ammo, you know, the bench raster, everybody knows 10X, didn't have any right. of that. But the, the, the wall thickness or the case thickness on the contact and force is a little bit, the outside diameter is just a little bit uh, bigger, or maybe it's just a little bit thicker of a case. And so it was a little bit troublesome, you know, kind of chambering some of those rounds and some of these precision guns. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the match just went right in there. So Man, I'm a I'm a fan, but I'll post uh, I'll post the picture out in the in the podcast group later. But man, is it oh, it was pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. well. That'll be great. And uh, for those listening, and I posted something um, uh, last week on our uh, episode. Uh, we're only going to be posting uh, at least directly to the um, uh, podcast page. So uh, please, if you're listening uh, and you want to get that update from Facebook, uh, subscribe to that. It is a closed group, uh, but we know who we are uh, and uh, we'll let you in and there. Now, occasionally Steve will post repost it on his page and sometimes I will do the same thing, but we're not going through the giant postings. And of course, you can look at you know, we post this on, like, I think we said SoundCloud, it's on iTunes and it's also, I believe on Stitcher. So those are all the places where you can get this podcast. So with Steve, you mentioned sub 60 and interestingly enough, I was looking uh, at uh, the a five results and the top four times in that match were all sub 60. Dang. That's awesome. But you know what makes it interesting about that? Talk to me. It's all the same person. Really? <laughs> Jesse Misko cleaned up at this match. He has the top awesome. four times. Uh, he shot a 55-38 in PCCO, a 56-68 in RFRI, a 58-69 in RFPO, and a 59-07 in RFRO. That's smoking. Congrats, you know, Jesse. And not to be outdone, right behind him in RFRO, Lance Jr. with a 6046. So that's, uh that's smoking fast. There were some fast times there. But uh kudos to Steve Wright and the entire team. We we know a lot of them. A lot of them uh you know travel around, do a lot of shooting, uh, do a lot of uh work at the uh, uh world speed shoot. In fact, you know, I think speed option should be called the area five crew uh, <laughs> that's, true. that's who's on that stage but their match had an official uh count of 369 guns 
I saw that. That's 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 amazing. Good for yep. those guys. That's great. Oh, absolutely. And, and Jeff, uh, I, Jeff, I was looking earlier. Uh, one of our very own Randall Miller shot a personal best in rimfire rifle open. Shot she's a sixty-five and some change. Is that she's crazy? Killing it. I'm glad I'm crazy? not shooting rifle right now. <laughs> Woo! It's on you know, fire. I, you know, I've always joked about you know maybe I'll go to a match and identify as a girl or a, a lady, but I just nope. get my butt kicked there too. So. No, probably so. Probably so. So congratulations, Randall. That's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, looking here. Let's see here. RFRO. And we'll look at category leaders. She ended up cranking a 6557. That's awesome. That is smoking. That is just smoking it. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, she's... I'm just looking here that... When you look at the page, it's got a lot of data, but yes, yeah, just some, just some phenomenal times on these stages. That's fantastic. And you know, not to be outdone, you know, uh, when you look at this match too, uh, and this is something that I've said a lot, we had, you know, 369, uh, shooters, uh, at this match, um, very heavily, uh, attended by, uh, senior, uh, super senior, uh, distinguished senior, uh, even the juniors, uh, just a huge amount of, uh, of participation in the categories. And that's fantastic to see. And, you know, uh, speaking of categories and, and, and matches like this, um, Zach and I are working up a proposal for a slot policy, uh, for this year. Can you talk about what the, the logic is behind it yet? Because we got to get it approved, but we've been running the numbers on the uh, world speed shoot and the completed uh, area matches to provide that to the board, to give them an idea of, uh, you know, how many slots would be given out for uh, the 2024 world speed shoot. So uh, keep an eye on the board minutes. Uh, I'm not sure when that's going to be presented, but again, we're, we're pulling together the numbers for that. Awesome. Look forward to it. When do you think it will go to, to the board? Um. I think maybe the end of this month we'll be able to get it on the, on the agenda. I'm not sure. Um, we definitely don't want to waste time uh, waiting. So uh, I think after Zach and I, uh, I've written a course of program that pulls in all the data and calculates it. And there's little anomalies uh, that uh, we actually had this happen at area three where an unclassed shooter won the carry optics division interesting which gives that person uh should there be uh the slot policy um you know they would more than likely win earn a slot but we don't award anything for the u class you must be a classified shooter and of course this person right. is now a classified shooter after shooting that match and having an eight in there so that threw a little uh loop into my program and <laughs> And, uh, had to fix that when I looked at uh, giving out awards and uh, U's were showing up or not award slots. So, but yeah, looking here, uh, you know, just just some, you know, top of the names here. You know, top ten was filled out by Jesse Lance Jr., Carly Chadwick, Tanner Gibson, and Adam Reno uh, in the top ten overall. Uh, and then you just go down the line, and it's just a a who's who of people who who we know, in fact, is I'm going down here, 
I'm getting into the thirties before I'm, I'm still like seeing people that we know, which is fantastic to see them, you know, shooting their area matches and, and attending those. And, and again, you know, Steve and the crew, uh, I think Steve might've been the range master. I think Janice was actually, uh, the match director for this match. Not a hundred percent sure on that, but you know, to put this match off without a, you know, what looks like to be without a hitch. You never know what's going on. I did think, did see some pictures. I think they got a little wet today. Little, little liquid sunshine dropped on. <laughs> Keeps them honest, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so what do you got coming up this week? You got much going on shooting wise? Yeah, a little bit, uh, a little bit of training, trying to shoot uh, two to three days a week and uh, get my eyes back to where they uh, once were, but the bifocals are, I'm not sure if that's helping or hurting my game, <laughs> but uh, the other thing that I've been doing, and I think you and I may have talked about this for the last six months or so, maybe I mentioned on a previous podcast, but I've been uh, playing tennis for the last six months and lost about just over 20 pounds. And so I actually forgo or forwent um, a local match on Saturday, a six stager to, uh, to play tennis which has been uh which has been good so i i enjoy that and it's you know it's kind of like you're exercising and uh you know i don't like your exercising i got a feeling <laughs> if i got, got out there it would be like okay uh <laughs> we gotta do this how many more times and the, for for you know like a, a set and then how many for a minute no I, i'm give me three games i'm done <laughs> hey after after two hours like you know hey i'm tired but you don't feel like you're exercising i guess is my point so oh uh, okay yeah, I've been playing two, three times a week as well. So, uh, no, it's been good. It's been good. That's awesome. Yeah, I've got uh, a couple of my standing classes this week, and I'll try to get a little shooting in myself. Uh, I think this week we're working Accelerator, which pretty much ate my lunch at the Worlds and uh, ate my lunch uh, at the uh, the match today. Um you know, and it's one of those things where I, I wish I could blame the gun, but I, I shot everything else pretty well. <laughs> it was just, it was my brain uh, not focusing on, uh, you know, the dot on the plate and we all get there. So Accelerator is actually a pretty interesting stage. It's definitely in the top four fastest uh, stages. And I think that over the course of the last couple of years, a lot of people have proved that you can shoot it in, uh, shoot it in the sixes the last time I shot it um at a you know match here not last weekend the weekend before shot a 709 and I felt like I could have pushed it a little bit a little bit more and and I think the other thing that I've started to implement a little bit more into my regimen I need to do more of it is dry firing it's interesting when you look at uh you know the dry fire targets like uh Bill Duda's uh go fast don't suck targets yeah I think the interesting part, and we talked about this maybe a year or two ago, the interesting part is once you look at the dry fire targets, the aspect ratio of what the of what the stage looks like in two dimensions, it's very interesting how big or how small those uh, targets are from stage to stage when you're uh, standing in the quote-unquote box, at least in my basement. An accelerator definitely has some of the largest plates. Don't get me wrong, the first shots, you know, are – Plate one's not overly large, and plate three is a little bit smaller, but, you know, they're definitely a lot bigger than uh, some of the other stages you go out and shoot, like uh, even the back plate on speed option or some of those. But, yeah, Accelerator's definitely got some bigger plates, and uh, 
definitely encourage people to push the pace a little bit more on more on accelerator. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, um, one of the things I always show my students in showdown is a is a great one for doing this. Um, you know, everybody treats if you're shooting it, say, you know, uh, from the left box. And you're shooting the big plate number one first, and then, uh, of course, the uh, the ten inch plate uh, as your second shot. Um, you know, a lot of people are willing to treat that as uh, you know a, a drive by, maybe not a hard drive by, but a soft drive by. But if you get in the right position, now you have to be outside the boxes, and you line up the ten inch plates on the twelve inch plates. It turns out, except for the corners. They're visually the same plate. You're shooting yep. the same aspect. And yep. so this is something that I've started incorporated into my training with, with myself and with my students is if it's, if it visually is the same, then you should be treating it the same way. Sure. Because it's at 25 yards is irrelevant. Yep. You know? Yep. So, uh, you know, a lot of people will be, you know, I, uh, I've kind of changed, um, my shooting stand stature or, uh, sorry, rewind that. I might, <laughs> I might leave it in. I don't know. I'm too lazy <laughs> to cares? edit these things. <laughs> uh, uh, I've changed my, uh, shooting order on both roundabout and showdown, uh, after watching a lot of the fastest people shoot it in, uh, at the world's. And so again, in uh, showdown, uh, if you want to number the way I number the plates is of course, the big one in the back is one, the small mm -hmm. one in front is two, the small one in front is three, the big one in the back is four. Um, I'm actually now shooting it one, two, three, four stop. Yeah. Uh, driving across. And, you know, the, I always used to say, you know, I shoot like molasses right to left. And I stopped using that as an excuse and going, well, if this is going to be the faster way to shoot it, then you better learn how to shoot it fast that way. Right, right, for sure. And, you know, I think that's something that a lot of people out there, uh, you get stuck in a rut in how you shoot it. And sometimes a change, even if it might not be, uh, you know, quote unquote, one of the most efficient methods. I mean, if you think about it, um, coming off of plate two you have to go all the way out to plate three and whether you go three four or four three the gun's got to go out there it just depends on are you going to shoot through plate three or plate four going left to right or right to left right if that makes sense it does um and of course, it was funny. I was testing uh, testing uh, my students on how I number uh, roundabout. So let's let's uh, ask ask the question to you: um, the back right plate in roundabout. It's plate three. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and for all those people who are jumping up and down right now going no no that's four that's four it's not it's three <laughs> the the way that 
Dave Savigny back in the day taught me is you always count left to right as you visually see him and don't include the stop plate. Yep. And I've the way that I uh, also do that is you consider it um, if you're on an even an even plane, meaning uh, if you're looking at it in two dimensions. You know, so if you look, you know, because you can sit there and you go, well, if I start on the right side and showdown, you know, how do I see these plates? You know, I see the the uh, I see plate two as the furthest right plate. But it's it's how you look at it in a in a in two planes instead of three. Yep. If that makes any sense. It does. And most of them number easy. You know, those are, you know roundabouts one because they're both at the same they're both at that eight foot off of the center uh to the right um uh, it throws any you know it's like i think we can all agree uh on five to go which plate is one and which plate is four is is mm-hmm. is that a fair assessment yep <laughs> pendulum smoke and hope you know it's those are pretty straightforward to figure out pretty obvious <laughs> Jeff, you know what I was thinking about? What's that? I think we should do a segment during every podcast and talk about in a little bit of detail about troubleshooting gun problems. I, I love I, the idea. What I've come to learn over the course of time, you've been doing this as long as you know, guys like you and me have been doing it. You've seen a lot of stuff. And I'd hate to bombard one podcast with two issues, but... Okay, Jeff, I'm going to bombard the t- podcast with two issues. So, Hey, we got time. Let's hear it. Okay, so the first issue had a guy that was having uh, like a bolt drag issue with a Volkortzen upper and a tandem cross lower. So it's a Volkraken. Wait, you can thank Wade Shainer for that. I think I pay him like a penny every time I use the term Volkraken. Probably do. He gets a little anyway. royalty on that one. Hey, dude. Thanks, Wade. Anyway, so he was having some just the gun wasn't you know cycling as smooth and wasn't running as well so on and so forth so i reached out to him i said hey uh is it a relatively new bolt you got in there and he said yeah how'd you know and i said well reach out to volkortsen and tell them what's going on and they'll either send you or you have to buy a new trigger bar he goes well why do you know that well you know i sell a lot of i sell a lot of volkortsen uppers and you know a lot of people put them on tandem cross lowers so what had happened was, is there was a slight modification to a Volkortsen bolt that had happened. And again, this is from both the Volkortsen side as well as the tandem cross side. You know, I can send you an email that walks you through eight pages of dialogue and pictures and no, contact I don't, I don't. points. And no, Matt is hard, so is reading. You so you tell, tell us a story instead. Yeah, yeah, right. And so there was a couple of small changes that were made to the Volkortsen bolts, whether intentional or not. But what it did is it had, it, it uh, changed the, the contact point where the bolt is riding on the uh, trigger bar. And so uh, I've got, I'm sitting here looking at one right now, full courts and trigger bar. So if you have that issue and you've got a newer full um, courts and bolt, you may have to just uh, get a new, uh, a new trigger bar. And so, so is, have- is this with, you know, like if I were to get a new bolt for my Scorpion, would the, would I possibly experience the same, situation or is it is it just when we're looking at combining companies products combining companies products okay that's is what, fair. Is what is what i've been told thus far right yep you know and that's fair i mean there's a lot of stuff out there a lot of people do you know a lot of builds on their own and they're mm-hmm. getting parts and so this is the good this is really good you know 
Um, and it's, and it's funny, uh, just to expound on the whole topic of, you know, diagnosing stuff. Um, I am done using the excuse. Well, it's 22. It's not reliable. Um, unless I put like three hits on a round that doesn't go off, it's not the ammo, it's the gun. Yeah. You know, and I've had some fun. I, I, I don't know, it was a year or two ago, I probably put, it's like I would fire it and it would go click and I would eject it and grab that round and put it back in the gun with a slightly turned. I had like a crown. It looked like a flower. on the top. <laughs> <laughs> It's a daisy. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this was the ammo. Um, but you know, I had an issue. Uh, I had an issue with the, uh, the Volkortsen rifle. You know, when I started shooting that again, started getting some failure to fires and, you know, you, you, you have to take a systematic approach at looking at it. And the first thing I did was I took the bolt apart and I looked at the uh, firing pin and I went, yep. yeah, this is, this is one problem right here. Um, right. And so I changed that out and I was still having, wasn't as bad, but you know, one is bad if you're in a match, uh, you know, if you have one, one sure. failure to fire. And that's when I then changed out the uh, the hammer spring and ran like a champ after that. Yep. In, in, you know. in despite popular opinion, there is uh, preventive maintenance that should be done on your firearm. Yeah, I'm the worst one for for Jeff. <laughs> you know, I've told people before, hey, if a gun stops running, I'll just get another one. You know, that kind of thing. But it's... Um, Sorry, see that have, safe it, that 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 third <laughs> safe over there. That's just full of dirty guns. I don't want to clean. I, actually, that's you're you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong, Jeff. You know. I so wish maybe I was maybe kidding. that's what maybe that's what I'll do is I'll come up and I'll offer to clean all your guns for you and do visual inspections on them, put them all back together for a day of training. Is that is that a fair deal? That's not that's not that's not the worst offer I've had today. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I would well, say you know, one you, of the other segments run... that we do. Oh, go ahead. Keep keep going. No, I was just going to say, if you do have issues like that, probably the best place right now to post it is probably on Rimfire Race Guns. There's absolutely quality gunsmiths that that are there. I know some of them are posting on the Ruger Mark One Two Three Four page, that kind of thing. But yeah, post them out on Rimfire Race Guns. Don't feel like you're in this alone. There's a lot of things. There are a lot of variables. A lot of things you can check. Um, the other, well, remind me and I'll go through the other issue that I helped diagnose from uh, 800 miles away. The other day, we'll talk about that one next week. But yeah, there's a lot of us that have been through, maybe not seen all the, the exact issues, but um, certainly seen more than uh, more than a couple in our, our oh, time. Absolutely. So post, there's, post there's, them out there and we'll, when you look we'll at, eyeball. When you look at all the guns, you know, um, including centerfire. You know, there's there's always things you can be looking at. Uh, I had uh, an issue with my single stack open gun. Mm -hmm. I just could not get it to cycle. And after talking with a number of people and then doing some research on what the difference between a fast burning and a slow burning powder and what it does uh, with regards to uh, actuating a slide. Yeah, I went to a slower burning powder and the gun runs like a champ now. Oh, that's interesting. So there's there's definitely a lot of that. So, yeah, 
Rimfire Race Guns is a great uh, uh, resource. Uh, like you say, there's a lot of people out there. Um, and some are right and some are wrong. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's tough to, you know, you see a picture, what's wrong with this? And, you know, you're going to get a lot of different uh, ideas and answers. And some are going to be right and some are going to be wrong. And, uh, you know, I think that's the other thing that I always try to teach my students is, Learn how to take apart your gun. Learn how to clean it for just that reason. You can do the visual yeah. inspections. You can find, for sure. you know, uh, one of the ones I found last year, uh, and it would have been a catastrophic failure had it broken while running, was, um, you know, the half moon on the recoil spring rod on a, you know, kind of standard. 45? Yes. Yep. Uh it was no longer a nice half moon. It was cracked. And uh, it was about to probably break. And, you know, call the manufacturer. Hey, send me a couple of these. How much? Put them in the mail. Here's my credit card. Boom. Fixed. You know, and uh, I guess the other, I'm, I'm sure you have a toolbox full of parts. Um, oh, I've got, I've got, yeah, I've got a couple areas of the house, the <laughs> shop, the basement. I got parts. Of, I've got a basket of parts over here for uh, JP. I got some different uh, weights. I've got recoil springs. I got yeah. some triggers. What do you need? My point in this is that when you find something that's broken, buy at least two if you can. So you can replace the part that's broken and then you have a spare for if the new one goes down to keep you running to then give you an opportunity to order more. Or or you just buy a spare gun or two and then well, if yeah. that one breaks, you can... <laughs> that's safe four. Safe four is all the guns that have minor issues and don't run and yeah. you just don't feel like fixing them right now. <laughs> That's, uh, that's funny. funny. Well, um, <laughs> let me just recap here. Looking at the uh, major match schedule uh, next weekend, uh, Missouri State Steel Championships uh, put on by the Central Ozark Practical Shooting Shooters. Um, again, end of the uh, end of June, uh, Michigan State Steel Challenge Championships, and that's the one that is supporting the Ryan Rocks Outdoor Adventures, uh, which we've talked about, and that's pretty cool. Uh, then we got a couple, uh, couple of weeks off of major matches, uh, and about towards the end of July, July 20th, that weekend, uh, we have the area eight steel challenge championships, uh, in Wampum, Pennsylvania. So I'm sure you're going to see a lot of our, our Northern friends going up to shoot that. And then, uh, that same weekend, uh, if you want to go further North, uh, you can go to Canada, Alberta. And uh, the Canadian National Steel Challenge Championships are that weekend. Sounds good. Yeah. First weekend in August, going to be another busy weekend for shooting. You've got the Area 7 Steel Challenge Championships sponsored by Tandem Cross. And that's going to be in Dunbarton, New Hampshire. And then that same weekend in Eaton, Colorado, we have the Colorado State Steel Challenge Championships. So there's a lot coming up. That's awesome. Um, and I want to, uh, you know, being that we're both in area six, um, I want to do a shout out to uh, Jamie Mondi and crew for 
uh, taking on the responsibility of running that match. It's been run great over at Volusia uh, for the last couple of years. Um, sign up is late right now. So I want everybody listening who is thinking about going and shooting area six uh, to please uh, get signed up and get your slots locked in. And that includes you, Steve, you better be there, man. You know what? I, uh, I forgot until I got about 18 people that texted me yesterday and you know who you are. And I thank you is the uh, world rimfire match opened up yesterday. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's going to yeah, be an, in the historic cavern of Alabama back. That's so when I first started shooting a lot, uh, 2016. So I think it was there 16, 17, maybe 18. Then I went to, I don't know, someplace else, an old fort. And then it's been at, uh, yeah. well, the place it doesn't matter. And a third place. It yeah. Doesn't who, matter. No, no. Yeah. That's the year that we don't really want to talk about in Missouri that, Oh, that was a bad deal. Anyway, and then the the folks up at uh, Orsa, fantastic John Suter and those guys did a great job the last two years with it, and then it's coming back to where I consider home because that's where it first was when I started shooting, Cavern Cove, Alabama. And I think when I signed up, there's only seventy some more spots open. So uh, yeah, that that match usually you fills up. Do, you better sign up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah definitely. So. All right. Well, Steve, you know, we're making these short and sweet. I think we got a good one in the ba- in the can here. Uh, what do you feel? You got anything else you want to tell the people? Hey, give me one one more second. Let's spend 38 seconds on it. Can you talk about when uh, the USPSA president uh, uh, election starts? Is I it believe next week? that election cycle starts June 15th. Okay. So that would be this coming week. Um, okay. I'm, and I know that this year there are also a bunch of area director voting. I know area six definitely has a director's vote and there may be others. Um, I was listening to another podcast and there are, uh, pages on, uh, the USPSA site, which, uh, you can go to, and I'm actually going there right now, uh, to see if I can find out. Uh, board ejector matchbook. There should be something here. Now we'll have to find it. We'll post it on the Facebook page, but there is a way that you can go to the uh, USPSA site and get a uh, breakdown of all of the people uh, running for uh, the different positions. And I'm sure it's in my USPSA magazine that's been sitting on my counter for the last, I don't know. I don't know how long it's been there, Jeff, but it's been more than a couple days. I did see a number of, uh, of, uh, when I thumbed through it to see, uh, because I'm like everybody, you thumb through and you look for any pictures you might be in or any pictures you know of the people. (laughs) Then you go back and you read the articles later. Like I said, reading is hard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's pretty funny. Yes, but here we go. Uh, if you go under uh, media and uh, info, uh, there is a link for USPSA elections. And in there, you've got the uh, elections for president, which uh, has uh, a bunch of information um, uh, on that. And uh, more importantly, the candidates. So uh, let's just give those candidates a, a shout out. Uh, Todd Jarrett, Steve Moneypenny, 
Dexter Lopez, Luigi Lee, Steve Wright, uh, Ray Hurst. Uh, and on the page is still Yi Min. Um, I know he has stepped down at the president at the current time. I'm not sure if he's going to be running for president again. And then there's also information on the page uh, with the Area 6 director, um, which uh, right now that's going to be Ben Barry, Kyle Stevens, and Matt Hopkins. And then finally, uh, Area 8 is also got elections. And those candidates are uh, Vincent Lucchetti and Russell Fortney. So uh, if you go there, uh, all of these... Uh, at least most of them have links uh, with uh, each candidate's position uh, with the questions that were asked uh, to help you better decide who you choose to vote for. Um, and speaking of voting, um, voting is usually abysmal. So I'd like to reach out to everyone who's listening to this podcast um, that is eligible to vote. Uh, based on the bylaws, and they did just make a minor change to the bylaws uh, dealing with any lapsed uh, memberships uh, to make sure we had enough people to vote. Uh, but please uh, take the opportunity to read those uh, Q&As and those uh, bylines and bios on the candidates and make your decision. And when you get the email to vote, uh, please vote. Please vote. Awesome. Uh, this, uh, uh, as a person, I know who I'm voting for, but as the podcast, I would just ask that you go out there and, you know, read the bios and make a decision and vote. Um, cause it matters. It matters. And there's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, well, I, candidates out there. Well, I think that's our public service announcement for, uh, for the month. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's tough to really hear how many people actually do vote. So your vote matters. So, uh, you know, same, same. I'm not going to tell anybody how to vote, but, uh, strongly encourage people to vote. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's our president to pick and, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta do your thing. Yep. Sounds good. All right, All right, Steve. Well, this sounded really good. Uh, we'll get this mastered and get this out tonight, but you know how we end everyone. Give them that discount right. code. Yeah, go out to ragestore.net and use uh, discount code STPODCAST10. All right. We'll talk All right, to Jeff. you next week, Steve. Good talking Thanks. with you. We'll see you, man. Bye-bye.